This is Coda Radio, episode 281, for a spooky October 30th, 2017. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. Why me? My name is Chris, but that's not important because what's important is our host who joins us from the swamps of Florida or perhaps from the outer rings of the solar system is Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Let me tell you about this new Ruby gem I found. I call it Ruby.Spore Drive, and it's awesome. Nice. Yeah. You just got to make sure you can control it and navigate it because it's a wild world out there. No, you don't. You stab that shit into yourself and you go for it. <laughs> oh, so I take it you've caught Star Trek Discovery. You've caught up. Indeed. I, I'm, I, you know what? Captain Lorca, this is my kind of military officer, finally. Yeah. yeah Not I, a little pansy like Kirk trying to bang his way through the galaxy. This, is like, this seems like the kind of guy that maybe Kirk might have looked up to. You know what I mean? Like, this is the kind of guy where Kirk's like, oh, so that's how you be a captain. Which which explains a, a Star Trek captain-style progression from from Lorca to Archer to Kirk now and to Picard. You know, you can see a clear trend. Like, it gets more and more bureaucratic as time goes on. <laughs> really, it's, it's like a legacy software. It's just, you know, <laughs> more crap, more rules. Yeah. So you enjoying it? I love it. And you know how I knew I'd love it, Chris? Hmm. It was the comments in Ars Technica of all the Trekkies, this guy's evil, oh my god, he's going to kill the Klingons. Yes, because in war, the basic way to win is to kill more of them than they do of you. Now, okay, no, wait, so let me explain. Oh, hold on. So the way to win is by defeating more of them than de- they defeat you. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's how it works. <laughs> I, I, I just want to, like, say that, right? Like, first of all, everything about the show is great. Like, believable... You know what? Like the acting is good. The pain in the ass lieutenant who is the science officer is like every DBA I've ever met. Um, doesn't want you to ruin his pristine architecture, his pristine database. Um, and then injects himself with some good old whatever they call that DNA. And uh, yeah, I mean, really, like, you know, who doesn't want an admiral with benefits? I'll just throw it out there. What do you think, though, of them doing this behind uh, behind an app? See, here in the States, you got to get the CBS All Access app. you got to pay the you know subscription. It, it took three weeks for them to con me into paying for it. And then I did because it's so damn good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to stick around, too. Um, and uh, it's, it's a new era we live in where um, media companies think that they have some ability to become a streaming company. And they, they have... They think, well, we can make the content, so we're just going to go ahead and internet this really quick and put it out there. And uh, last Sunday, not this one, but uh, the Sunday before our previous show, they it, it totally fell down during the premiere. So they put the show up. They put it up. It's like 6 p.m. Pacific. It crashed. Yeah, I watch yeah. it Monday morning because it just yep. it sucks on Sunday. Yeah, so yeah, these I companies are, are are going to be entering into a dark era of figuring this out over and over again. Some of them I think are going to... Would you say that they're calling a black alert, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it'll be we, and we'll just be sitting back and watching the train wreck, you know. So can we just take a trekkie corner here? Oh, no, sure, sure. 
So I know you are a bigger Trekkie than I am, though I lifelong, have been. Lifelong, you might say. Lifelong. Yeah, I, I'm not lifelong. I was a Star Wars guy first. But there's something realistic about the good Captain Lorca that I feel like Picard in particular doesn't really have. Archer comes close, right? Archer is like, he's almost believable. Like yeah, Kirk and Picard are a yeah. little too, you know, Jesus captains for me. Have you seen much of Voyager? I've seen about half of Voyager, uh, the good Captain Janeway, right? Yeah, she's got a few moments where she kind of loses her composure. And I always, to kill a bunch. Yeah, I always yeah. love those moments with her. Well, like the Borg. Let's just talk about the Borg for like a hot second. Remember the episode of TNG where he decides not to wipe out the Borg? Yep, yep. That seems like a mistake. Yeah, huge. Like, I know they get better later, right, Voyager? But still, everything you know at the time. To TNG's credit, they come back and sort of grapple with that later on in the series. Right, that people die. See, I'm not. See, I haven't seen all of TNG yet. Yeah, it's weird because I'm watching Discovery, and it makes me dislike. Like, I've seen the entire original series. I've seen most of TNG, uh, and about half of Voyager and half of Deep Space Nine, and it makes me hate the other shows. Really? Because mm-hmm. they're just there's there's they're they're of an era, the style of uh, the style and all it's of that. It's not the era. Well, it, like. I think Gene Roddenberry really wanted like Starfleet to be good. Oh yeah, for sure. But and this is, you know, Mike Dominic's opinions are. But there's not, not as much. There's not as much interesting. There's not as much interesting like, story drama when everybody's good. Well, there's no such thing as good guys and bad guys, mm-hmm. right? There's guys and gals, I guess. But you know what I mean, guys and. Yep, there's humans. Kind of intro- people, right? And like Captain Lorca, if you don't know, is what we would call. Uh, a war criminal, but if he wins the <laughs> war, he's a hero, right? And if he loses, he's going to get right. butchered. He's fine. Like, yep, and we know. Yep. And the best thing is, you know, he wins the war. Like, or at least maybe not him personally, but you know, the he, Starfleet wins, right? Like, that's they come to an arms. Takes him a but, while, but yeah. Like, you have to say, oh, I. All I have to say to you, Chris, since you didn't see this week's, or rather. No, last Sundays. I saw. Did you see the the uh, when the admiral comes on board the yeah, ship? Yeah, and I saw I saw what happens to her. <laughs> but I haven't seen the episode immediately following that. I have not seen that either because I I don't dare try to stream it on a Sunday. Yeah, and this morning I had a meeting. Yeah. But yeah, I I believe in this. I've been enjoying it. It's been a nice like. Um, it's been good, right? Yeah, it's been, it's it's really nice to have a sci-fi television series that lets me turn my brain off for forty-five minutes. It's been really super nice. I really it's not that it. stupid though. The only problem. No, I, I don't have... mean it's dumb. I just mean I don't have to worry about work or, or projects oh, so, for forty-five so minutes. Episode two. They show some code on the screen. Yeah, it was, and it was like NTLM, like Colonel, like it was. Well, <laughs> there was there was a Colonel code, but there was I, also. Some... Some I refuse to it. believe that. This whole thing makes yeah. me think this mirror universe now. I saw that. And I'm like, oh, well, the mirror universe I, runs Windows. You know, this Navy has a bunch of subs that run, run uh, <laughs> yes. .NET, right? That's like nuclear subs, but it's scary. So let's not talk about that because that makes me lose sleep at night. Mm, let's plug in this USB drive and boom <laughs> yes, goes. Exactly. <laughs> it just that's so freaky, dude. I just don't even want to think about it. Yeah, well. I know they got some good. GNU slash Linux on those, too, so. Yeah, they're using Open Office. You know what's funny is I won't say who, but a listener informed me today about a a massive plant outage where they had people there working the weekend, and everybody was working time and a half, and the well, everybody had to come to a stop because the central controller had crashed. But the central controller was actually fine because 
it was running on its own independent system. But the touchscreen that controlled no. the central controller ran no. embedded Windows 7 and it crashed. And get, so you had 60, 60 people there making time and a half all day long standing around idle because they had, the power had flipped during the weekend. And the machine rebooted, and when it rebooted, it blue screened. <laughs> and so the touchscreen, just the controller touchscreen, was out. Oh. <laughs> it's that's, awful. That's really bad. Yeah. Have they not heard of the greatest technology ever, WinRT? Well, and so this kind of almost leads us into our first topic, because uh, Windows 7 embedded would be, quote-unquote, boring technology in a sense. But there's certain kinds of boring technology that are safe bets, uh, and they're not flashy, and and it's we've orbited this issue a lot on the show, so it's kind of maybe time to just take it head on. Yeah, so you know, a lot of people over the years, and it's amazing that it's been years. Um, email in and are like, "Hey, haven't you heard of Rust? Hey, haven't you heard of Rust? You know what? Really, it's mostly just Rust." Yeah, I mean, there's and, other things that come and go. Yeah, Rust is the longest things. longest running thread now. It's it, to the point where it's like an inside joke between you and I. Well, pe- people love Rust, but basically insert Rust for any new hot technology that they think is important. And uh, I tend to be, and I, I wonder where you come on, uh, the more conservative side of life, right? Where if it works, it runs, and it doesn't cause, you know, fifty dollars to $70,000 of uh, OT for a power plant, I'm pretty much okay with it. You know, it's really funny you ask me that because I was – not even kidding, 15 minutes before we connected our call today, thinking how I've really made a transition in this regard. Um, and I think I'm fully on the other end of it now. And that what? is, I, I came as as cutting edge, as bleeding edge as possible. And I had a lot of good reasons. Mostly it had to do with certain requirements for production software. And then it also was about informing my commentary on air. But uh, I, So I had all these reasons for being totally bleeding edge and all of the software we used. And over this year, since the beginning of this year... I have been smacked in the face over and over and over again to where now I'm on the complete other side of the fence. And you heard it. You heard it in my recent coverage of Ubuntu, how I've sort of reframed I felt my thinking. I turned to the dark side. Yeah. Yeah. I have re- it's, I've reframed my thinking a bit and I've completed it now. And now I am and, – and time time is allowed for this luxury a bit. But now I'm sort of like, okay, everything's sort of gotten to where I need it to be. And I'm going to level off here, and I'm kind of planning to level off here if I can for like the next five years. And I'm just I'm, – I'm going to let myself just stay put, and I'll, I'll, maybe I'll keep a few test systems around, but I'm really going to hunker can't. down on the boring stuff. And, I, and I'm just going to get my work done. I know it's a boring answer. I'm sorry. I don't believe you, though. I don't think you can. Really? You think it's too much in my nature to – want to tinker i don't even think it's your nature i think it's a necessity of like linux action news and a bunch of the shows to a degree yeah i think i'm gonna yeah. i think i have to balance it i think some systems like like a couple of laptops i could keep you know just throwing crazy stuff on you know that that's how it starts but the problem is then you have to maintain these systems and it never happens yeah. right you might be right you might be right i might be in a particular position where i have to sort of keep a certain pace i don't know yeah. It's going to be an experiment because I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of doing it right now. Um, this system well, I, you and I are I, talking on is the first one of many. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd be very curious to see what happens. Um, I mean, myself, I, I, I keep wanting to find, like, one stable platform. Yeah. It's and easy. every time I finally pick a platform, it goes out of support. Angular, 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 Angular. Yeah, and this is... 
this is a this is a real challenge, and it's in all of our. It's really in all of the major tools we use, from the operating systems to the toolkits. Uh, I mean, insert t- toolkit of choice here, and you could say the same thing, right? Or language, even. It's a multi-layered problem. That's why I think we grapple with it often on the show. But um, there's a certain there's a certain compromising that starts happening, and that's where I one of the things I used to bump into is I don't want to compromise my enjoyment of learning about new technology just so that way I can punch the clock. And I felt like that was me sort of submitting in a way to – but in the reality, is it's, it's just really – it's more about saving my, my, my nerves and just keeping, you know, keeping things working and being able to do a good job at my core work. Uh, so I'll give you an example because what I really struggled with was uh, – <clears throat> and I'll, we'll bring this around to programming here in a second because it's an equivalent. What I really struggled with when I ended the Linux Action Show is a lot of times, not always, but many times if I was trying to decide between a proprietary product uh, and an open source solution, even if the open source solution maybe had more negative ramifications and required more fiddling, I would choose the open source thing so that way I could cover it on Linux Action Show and we'd sort of stay in – you know keep everything open source. It sort of was like a win-win there. Now, after Linux Action Show, that necessity kind of began to fade away. And I had to reevaluate things on a more merit-based system. And I, I, I began to really panic about my desktop because if I switch that out, it rechanges my entire workflow. Because I, I, I had to honestly ask myself, if I'm going to go buy a effing expensive MacBook Pro touch bar, so that way I can use Final Cut Pro, um, would it not just make sense to just install Brew, install iTerm, um, get, get Mac OS as Linuxy as possible, and then install virtualization for anything that it doesn't cover the gaps on, and just buy one machine, have one computer, and just use the boring Mac OS that drives you crazy. <clears throat> and I had to like I had to really you know ask myself that because that'd be a major major retooling. Um, I didn't and I ended up with I ended up landing on Ubuntu seventeen ten. But uh, it's one of those things where when you start when you start this process, you will be surprised how far it takes you. Like uh, like how far that rabbit hole is. You might think it's Angular. You might think it's Objective C, but it's actually the entire way you work. <laughs> You're trying to trigger me by mentioning Objective-C. I felt the trigger. <laughs> I'm holding it back. <laughs> I will send you to do a piece pretty but cling on. Don't, don't, don't think I won't. It was, a, um, it was smooth, though. I mean, at least give me that. I mean, yeah, not to take away from your, catch, your cleverness to catch you, but that was a smooth insert. <laughs> um, I obviously, as has been recorded and commented on numerous times, have very hostile feelings about certain programming languages that have now replaced Objective-C. Um, I still think that we... So, I agree with you, but I'm going to take it a step further. Before I... I'm, I'm not going to take the swift bait. I'm not doing it. You're Resistance a bigger man than I'm a <laughs> No, it really is. Like, yeah, it, I agree. I know it's well, it's funny because we made a Star Trek. We started bitch, with Star Trek. You but... can moan. You can do every little side hack to work on Linux or work on Objective C or whatever your little your little pet pony is, and you're not. No one man can change the tide, right? You're not going to win. Um, I just. 
I kind of don't think you should care, to be honest with you. Oh, like boy. It, okay. If if working on OS X, I'm sorry, <sighs> Mac OS teardrops would be easier and more efficient and like a one-time cost that would be over, then you should just do that. And if working in Swift is more, see, I, I, I will let you trigger me here. <laughs> if, if I can't sell something without saying we'll do it in Swift, then I have to do it in Swift. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. But like that, 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 that's all that, like that's all that means. You, do you it, have that voice in the back of your head that goes, "Well, then why are you working for yourself, you dumbass?" If you end, up, if you're just making these compromises that you would just make if you punched the clock. Oh, life is compromise, right? Like you could be the president and you still have to compromise so that they don't indict your son. Oh, jeez, <laughs> 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 um, like, like, like now, oh, Polly, it's got a nice house for sale in Manhattan, though. Um, life is compromised, like. And this is actually something I think just to take a tangent, like some of our listeners write in and say, oh, you guys are self-employed. You do whatever you want. Actually, no. Like, OK, theoretically, Chris and I could say, you know what? We're just not showing up to work today. But then we don't get paid. It never I works like that. Yeah. That like regular W2 people, especially people working in like big enterprises, actually have more functional freedom. Yeah. Because they get PTO and like there's a process to fire them. They have there's sick no time. They they have to. There is a process to be fired. And on top of that, you can sort of slip into the stream and nobody notices you. You can you know you can lay low when you're having a bad week. There's no laying low when you're running the business. Well, and I have an extra layer of pain that Chris doesn't. Not to like measure our scars here, but I have payroll. Mm. And fun fact about the IRS and payroll: you are personally liable for payroll taxes despite the corporation existing. Mm-hmm. So, like, even if things went south, I would still be on the hook for that. Yeah, I, 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 I defer so much of that stuff to Angela. I'm very thankful for that because that stuff. You don't have W two employees, though, right? So you don't, you don't even like. There's a whole level of pain that you're yeah, not. Yeah, I think we did, but we don't currently. I think everybody is contract now. Yeah, it's one of those things where once you have like a physical space and you start requiring people to go there, um, the the like monthly payroll deposit right. just becomes super real. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, and then depending on how many you have, there's also like, then all of a sudden you have to start paying a ton of money for health. I, but I think I want to get back to your core point and, um, because we do also get the common question about self-employment versus getting a job versus, uh, continuing education, all these options that sometimes people are faced with. And, um, there is a certain loss of flexibility when your business gets older or whatever, whatever the term might be. When you when your <clears throat> when your business has been around for a while, you sort of develop these these paths, this momentum behind things. And so it does become considerably harder to sort of break out of that and do big new things or change things because you have an existing product line to support. And um it takes away some of the flexibility and freedom that you supposedly dream up you have when you're creating your own business. Not that I couldn't, I suppose, go in and ruthlessly uh, reorganize the network and change things and, and make room, but they would also be risking massive revenue loss and subscriber loss and all of that. So it's um, you sort of create your own box and then you have to work within it. And I don't really feel like it gets that much different than a regular job But sometimes, other than if everything, at the end of all of it, things work out, you maybe are in a better position long term, but... That's a gamble. Boy, is that a downer? Should we? Do you, I mean, we went from boring tech to this, but I it does answer. Yeah, we, 
we 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 found a dark place. Um, we do that sometimes because you know it's like it's the I guess it's more like it's more like bursting the hype bubble for certain things. Like right, we're like we're not we've been through it and that hype's a little off. We just got to tell you it's the truth. Yeah, the I, hype isn't great. The hype isn't real. Yeah, yeah. So what about you? You asked me, but what about you? You know, Mister Gallego and MacBook over there and and Swift and Objective C. Like, where are you at in this process? What's your current thinking? I mean, I think you have to pick your battles, right? Um, I don't... You know, it it ultimately doesn't matter. I mean, not to channel the good Captain Lorca. It's a theme of the show, by the way. But you don't get credit for losing, but being like a false zealot, in my mind, at least. Wow. Yeah. You get credit for winning and being like less evil than the next guy. But really, you get credit for winning. Yeah. Right. So I I don't think it matters. I mean, I like Pop! OS. I like Linux. I like obviously like System76, much to the chagrin of some people. But it's not like I would give up iOS work to use it. 100% of the time because that would be crazy right and, and to be honest much like the uh, my man Jack Ma I have a very mercantilist then, view of the aren't world aren't you just muddying your brand then I mean because one of the things is if if you rejected all iOS development then you would come out strongly as a open standards open formats open source shop and so people might be more inclined to come to you or the reverse, you drop you drop all that stuff and you become a high hardcore, you know, uh, iOS shop with all these high ideals about design and whatnot. And uh, you your brand becomes sort of aligned with with that mentality. But when you do sort of this in between thing where you dabble in the open source and the Linux and you got the you got some steady business coming on the iOS, it sort of sends a mixed branding message, don't you think for for Buccaneer? Oh, um, well, it's actually the mostly the mad botter now, okay. but that is one way to think. I mean, the problem with that is it works to a point. Um, so let me, let me see if I understand the argument. You're saying like you could just like totally abandon like hybrid and bots and all that and just say like you're a high-end ios well, shop no or, or and that's it or you go all in on say okay let's put another context to make it a little more reasonable to fit with context and mad botter you go all in on bots and the back end is linux and you really just you know go all out to promote the open source or well, open whatever so so that's like a thing that i've been considering and like almost did right the problem is then you're talking about a dip in revenue that requires layoffs and yeah. to get outside capital, which yeah. is something I looked into at the, at the, uh, this is what I was just saying about how summer. you have projects that have momentum and now they sort of, you're sort of stuck to them. And it yeah, like one, one of the problems I have, like if I was starting from nothing again, I probably would not do too much consulting. Mm. I'm really surprised to hear you say that to be, because honest. I had a, well, but like it was a really battle the nothing. entire time. It was a battle. Well, back in the day, when I, like, I didn't have high living expenses, right? Yeah. I didn't have employees. <laughs> like wow. now, now it's almost, um, it, it's very hard to not, like, I feel a lot of pressure in terms of Alice. Mm. 
because every day I'm getting a Slack message from somebody who's a, you know, a subcontracting client that wants to talk to me about nonsense is a waste of my time. Mm. Right. So like, I, and I literally got one while we were on the air here and like, I'm like, what do you want? Like, go away. I don't, and, and that might be my thing. Like I'm trying to get away from subcontracting. I don't like subcontracting. It's, but I feel strongly that if you have a contract, you should honor it and not like, you know, ghost on people. Sure. It is true, right, that every day, week, month I spend building subcontracting for another company. Now, I'm not saying like – this is different for individuals. If you're an individual freelancer, your whole business is just like subcontracting usually. I'm really building their product and their business and not mine, and I'm getting more and more behind. Um, and I particularly feel this with Alice because of like we got some press and a few other things. Like we were in the next web and beta, not the next web rather, but a beta news and, uh, and a few other places that I can't recall off the top of my head. But it was hard to capitalize on that sort of immediate spike in momentum. Well, it was impossible. Because you like have to respond just, instantly. Respond instantly. You have to, yeah, you have to somehow yep. sustain yourself. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it takes all of your focus. It would take all of, it would take, it would really yeah. to do it completely. It would take, it would be, the, it could, could really just be the one thing you do. It, it is not a path I would likely pick again, I guess. But again, you have to put yourself, like I'm putting myself in the shoes of a like 19 year old listener who, you know, is trying to get out of school and move out and live on his own or her own. And like, you have to pay rent, right? <laughs> like I get it. Like I understand how these things happen, but the, the problem is you never, you never really get ahead. Hmm. And I don't know. I don't remember your original question. I'm sorry. Well, you kind of answered it. It, it. You really actually did. Um, boy, it's funny how you and I are experiencing very similar, very similar you, things right you now. You have a product, right? You have the shows. I have the shows, and then I have new things that I'm trying to start that require significantly more time, uh, but have even greater potential. But I can't get off the ground. And then I've spent. I've just this to yesterday, actually marked a year that I've been trying. And uh, it's just a, it's a hard, it's a hard milestone to look up at the clock and go, oh shit, I've been, I've been heads down at this for a year and I've gotten pretty much nowhere. I mean, there are some, some other significant uh, secondary benefits that I'm very thankful for have come along, but the primary objective has not been accomplished. And I guess I'm not used to that. It felt like uh, a few years ago, if I set my mind to something, it would come to fruition. Um, I could, you know, I, if it was a product I wanted to create for the network, I would get everything together and it would launch and... You know, we'd be up and going, and um, yeah, now now it's just not really possible because there's so many other responsibilities and so many other things that take my attention. It's like I need, I need some. I I wish the business made enough money that I could hand off a significant amount of my work to somebody else. I mean, of course, because if, if we can't launch new shows and grow into new markets, then how do we? You know, how are we going to continue to grow and? And things have been tight for years. I'd like to. I'd like to get to a point where we're feeling at least comfortable, uh, you know. Because after years and years of getting by by the skin of your teeth, it starts to get old. And the, well, the, the thing the thing I'm starting to realize is like the only way up is going to be down. Yeah, like and, you got you to slim down and and have less things that you're responsible for. Well, you. I mean, I'm even going to be more blunt. You may you may just have to like lose money, 
right? You like, you may need to like take a financial loss or, you know, whatever, cut costs, whatever you need to do. Because in a lot of ways, see, I think it's slightly different though, because you can get residual revenue off the shows where for, for the way my business is structured, I can't. Right. Like I always have a need to fill more and more work. And I'm, I'm in an interesting place where like I, I have some great clients. Most of them are listeners to the show. Then I have some terrible clients who aren't. <laughs> Funny how that works. Something that seems to be happening is the terrible clients have much more overhead on their projects and they're just not like worth enough money. And I don't know if that's like there are a lot of complicated things around like agile development versus fixed bid and perhaps, you know, can subcontracting ever work if you're, if a shop is subbing to another shop, like is there enough margin there that everybody leaves happy or does somebody win and somebody lose? And that's kind of the way it goes. Like that, that is, that is a problem. And, and, and to be clear, this is all a problem of growth, right? This is like a, a, we may be getting, bigger than some of our legacy like other shops who would sub to us Hmm. because it becomes very hard to justify the rate they pay us given that's like some of them have these illusions right that like they're not subbing to a shop like they want to pretend like whatever right it's um it becomes costly to maintain that oh man it is uh so we got it on a whole different topic here but yeah yeah, but you and I are fighting the same battle at the same time right now because that's that's exactly where we're at. I have I have some big decisions I have to make um, in the next couple of months, and the stuff that I'd hoped that would be spun up in time didn't didn't work out. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I'm really bad at breakups. Um, I've known that relationships should end, and I've kept them going for like months mm, because mm. you know I just you know why have the fight now. And I think I get the impression that you're kind of the same way. And I don't, I don't mean personal relationships. I mean, like, mm-hmm. whatever, right? Any kind of relationship. It can be. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I can't really think of a way to transition to the next point we had in here about uh, how a regular good old classic sequel, good old boring sequel seems to be, at least to some degree, in some sections of the market, replacing no SQL or no sequel. Um, and you're seeing um, a, lo- a lot of the big vendors like your Amazons and, of course, your Azures spinning up a uh, hosted cheap SQL. And you're also seeing now SQL Server by, from Microsoft on Linux. It's like, a re- it's like the resurgence of SQL. I thought there really was no SQL. I thought, no, I thought it, we were it all It never done. went down. It was all Oh, hype. man, I've I mean, been I fooled this, the whole time. Yeah, I put this one in the notes because... This is one of those dangerous things and it kind of ties into our first uh, yeah. first entry here. Yeah. Where the the hipsters on YouTube, not me of course, and the uh, bloggers are all talking about something new, but in reality like 98% of what's actually productive and I define productive as making money um, is using regular old, you know, tried and true in this case SQL versus no. Of SQL. course. Of course. Yeah. And so you think this is just the uh, the hype bubble popping and the uh, news cycle correcting itself? Because it doesn't. What it also doesn't mean is it also doesn't mean that NoSQL is going away, right? It it just means that both are are still successful products. That's really what I it mean, means. I, 
you know, in my mind, like NoSQL is a specialty tool for certain cases, but the default position is like Postgres or MySQL or something like that, right? Regular SQL. Dude, everybody knows that SQL is a special use case. Otherwise, you just use Access. (laughs) 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 Duh. dark and dangerous road we've gone down. DigitalOcean.com. Go over there, create an account, and use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. You can spin up some really great systems on their really fast infrastructure. They call them droplets, and you can get spun up in less than 55 seconds. And they got data centers all over the world. And every type of instance you deploy is using all SSDs. Every type of instance gets the 40 gigabit connection. Every type of instance can take advantage of block storage and object storage and snapshots. It's just, it's a really good system. And now they're offering floating IPs and load balancing. And like I mentioned, object storage is brand new. You can get it uh, on a free trial right now, which is really cooking with gas. If you use our promo code Coder Digital, you get the ten dollars credit, and then you try out the object storage two months for free. I'm using block storage myself. I love it because I can just slice off like what I did recently was I sliced off a hundred gigabytes, and I I allocated that to one of my rigs, and it shows up as just a dev device. So I have I, I can't remember, but essentially it shows up as slash dev slash sdb, and uh, you just. You just use that. I fired up I fired up my partition editor, made a partition, made a quick entry in FS tab, rebooted, boom. A hundred gigabytes of storage immediately. And I did all that because I did I just wanted to do it the hard way because I was being a dork over SSH. But there's so many different ways you can you can manage storage and so many different ways you can protect yourself from screwing up, like with snapshots or transferring a system. You can you can also transfer it to a different account, so that's great for setting up for like a contract or a friend or a family member that needs a website. DigitalOcean.com. Just get started by using our promo code code or digital. You just need a new account, you apply that, you get the ten dollar credit, and boom! You just supported the show. Naturally sourced, small batch, developed locally, deployed globally. I just made that up. I just made that up right now. They can take that. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code, code or digital. Oh, and by the way, check out their how-tos because they've got a recent post on the 27th of how to set up Let's Encrypt with an Nginx server on Ubuntu 16.04. So you get the whole shebang. Nginx, you get, you get a nice HTTPS connection using Let's Encrypt, and it is well written. That's one of the things they're super, super good at. And including including adding the PPA to get uh, CertBot and all of that stuff. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code, Coder Digital, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring this here show. So should we keep our trend of talking about uncool things and things that were cool before they weren't cool and now are cool again? Because I feel like we're kind of in a we're we're kind of in a groove now. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I noticed that uh, you had some notes here on uh, the uh, 40-year-olds at the pep rally. And I will say, I'm still a few years off from 40, so I take offense to that, sir. (laughs) Good, you should. (laughs) Um, So, I've had a weird problem, Chris. And let me do the war story part of this first. Sure, okay. You remember good old (laughs) AngularJS? Wow, yes, of course. You know, it, it people act like it's legacy, but I, it feels to me like I woke up yesterday, like yesterday morning, it was brand spanking new, and now it's crusty and old, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yep, that's how it works. Well, except when you're working in the enterprise, that's not how it works. No, right? no, it is <laughs> like, not. No, it is. And not. a lot of enterprises have a problem now, and the problem is Angular One. Let's just call it Angular JS. Is 
not super supported going forward. And the upgrade path to Angular 2 or Angular 4, because God forbid we have an Angular 3, is like basically a rewrite for all intents and purposes. So I've had to feel a lot of like, well, where do we go? This is a problem. We thought Angular was the conservative choice. And, you know, and people are going to write in and say, well, Angular came out five years ago. For enterprise intranet applications, five years is nothing. Oh, no. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I, I feel like, and, and I'm sorry, hippies, but I'm going to beat up on you a little bit. The FOSS community. Damn. Especially the, like the web JavaScript community. Oh, damn. Doesn't doesn't get it they're like your end of life isn't five years it needs to be like 10 years yeah yeah and once you call it 1.0 you should have backwards compatibility (laughs) yeah yeah and like or at least an easy upgrade path that's like 40 hours of work or 100 or maybe even like 80 hours of work not a rewrite you know how you were talking about you just can't really fight the market forces and one man can't change the tide of the uh, trend this is this is so true in enterprise. If you whether you build it to last that long or not, they will use it for that long. Regardless, but they do all kinds of crazy bad stuff to try oh. to make that happen. Oh yeah, man, that that's like like I I used to always wonder in like the early two thousands, how did Microsoft get the position that they had? Right, let's say in the early two thousands, late nineties, right particularly 2000 to like 2006, right before the iPhone. And the answer was because Microsoft, for all their vagaries, swore on a stack that if you bought MSDN, this shit would work for 10 years, right? Like that was that was the deal. No matter how bad, how hard it was to develop with, it worked. And these, and, and, and like I, I subscribed to the Angular mailing list and I'm just totally shocked by the tone deafness of the people there like i don't know if maybe there's just more money in san francisco i mean i don't mean to like beat up on california people but do you really just rewrite everything every six months is that is that what what's happening i've always felt like it's because somebody wants to create something you know they they want to make the thing it's they and so it's just you keep having these rebuild it from the ground up or forks Every every so often, essentially, with yeah, I don't know six months, but yeah, frequently. And sometimes whatever, whatever it's not individuals; sometimes it's entire companies. Like I, I sincerely believe that I love open source. I think if you have a great idea for a false project, you should do it. But I also think that we need to have a serious calling of the week in terms of JavaScript frameworks, and we and we sort of are, but. You know, I, I particularly was was very burned by Angular, um, and and I get it. I, I mean, we talked about this a couple months ago, and people emailed in, "Hey, man, it's been almost five years," and now it has actually been five years, but that's not long enough. Like, it, it's just not. And I have the same problem with Ionic and Ionic two and Ionic three. Like, Ionic one is still, in my opinion, the best version of Ionic because it's the simplest version, and you can't. You just can't introduce massive new concepts into your framework and call it the same thing. Well, so I would propose to you that this problem isn't really going away. And every time that there is a new fundamental shift in the marketplace, it's going to happen again. And it's almost the nature of the beast. So perhaps enterprises need to be the ones to adapt because it doesn't seem to be changing. 
And it's in their best interest to have this shit as stable as possible. Yeah, okay, but this isn't... See, this is different than patching your stuff for updates and like bug updates and security updates this is angular one to angular two is a right. massive totally rewrite. i know i get it and it, angular four is another massive rewrite. and it could be tens of or hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in development time it's a yeah it's, yeah. it's probably like a hundred and something thousand dollars right mm-hmm. so so this is like our you know going on github or bitbucket and just like deleting the repo and starting over it, it, it's not the same see people beat up on the enterprise oh you mm. need to update your java or mm. php this is not that problem which is, you guys are right, that is a problem. This problem is these applications, because of the way enterprises work, they have all these hidden features that nobody knows about until you're doing it. Oh, boy. Cost a ton of money and time and effort to develop. And you can't just throw shit out. Like, and they have to recoup, you know, the people who say that the enterprise is crazy are the same people who, who you look at something and say, oh, I could have done that in a weekend. I assure you it's not true. I, I completely agree. Having been there and seen some really crazy esoteric stuff that's been built for some old business use that is unique to them and having literally every single one of my clients I've ever had has that. So it's very common. And the, the bigger the company, yeah. the more esoteric it is. Like The biggest one I can think of is uh is a is a messaging system created by IBM that did some sort of packet messaging to the system 390 and then would translate it from the system 390's output to something that a windows based system could read i can't even remember the details anymore cuz it was so long ago i used to be intimately familiar with it it's kind of funny um and then we had to lacquer layers of applications on top of that to communicate to that IBM software and um, mm. every vendor that came in essentially had to build an interface to that thing. Yeah. I just had a huge pain in the ass project where we were upgrading Rails 2 apps to Rails 5. But the catch, which, by the way, in itself is awful, but the catch is they were using legacy Oracle databases <laughs> that Active Record no longer supported. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, like, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that had to be done there. But we got it done because you know why? At least the Rails team didn't burn the freaking house down. Is this the case for even more abstraction? Just, you know, just is some some you have because we are abstracting now the the ops layer. So that is pretty much if you if you have a, if you do a modern implementation, you can pretty much abstract that away. And the, the, you know, the base system can be patched and changed and the contained system doesn't get altered. And then on top of that, it seems like what we need now is I mean, I, 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 I'm never an advocate for this, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. It seems that perhaps it's a call for abstraction here. I'm going to say no. I think I, I mean, I can I, I have reasons. Uh, one of them is Xamarin Forms, but mm, fair. Like in the JavaScript space, I mean, because really we're talking like enterprises are using internet web apps, right? The way HTML5 has evolved, and, it, and, and like the DOM in particular is you actually don't need a ton of stuff if you don't want it, right? Like, a lot of the things you used to, like, need jQuery for, you can totally do with, like, pure ECMAScript now. So I would say you need less abstraction. Like, if the hmm. if the DOM or the web is your native platform, let's mm-hmm. just call it the browser, even though I, I hate when people say that because there's, like, more than one browser. But, it could, but anything that's getting rendered essentially by a browser engine. Could be that. I, yeah, I mean, like, mobile is, like, a different thing. A lot of mobile there, there are, apps are just apps that are being rendered by the web browser. 
I know I write them all the time, right? <laughs> like in most cases, I, I still think that's the right answer because, you know, it's funny, like beginning of the show or, you know, 20 minutes ago, you were telling me like, why don't I just stand on a soapbox and advocate for open standards? Well, the truth is 90% of the time, that's what I do. Like yeah. I end up selling the false solution because it actually, and not because I'm like a hippie, but because it makes business sense for my customer. Right. Why, it, it, why is that? Is it because of well, maintenance costs? Is it because let's vendor take the lock-in? shittiest phone gap app, right? From like four years ago. It might look like crap, but it still runs today. Because it's running, if it's written with web standards and not a bunch of plugins, it still runs. Yeah. You just need to recompile it for the 64-bit architecture on iOS. So update Cordova and recompile it. Um obviously you need to like do things to the UI. I, I get it. Like it's not a good app, but it runs. And that is an open solution. That sounds like, like most I, enterprise apps, actually. <laughs> it's well, usually well, the UI point. is a little like, hokey, but it runs. And, like, and... I, I, I have a bias towards the enterprise. So I'm like, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I'd like to deliver nice looking apps to the enterprise, but I also understand that there was you mentioned maintenance cost. A lot of enterprises have web developers on staff that can maintain this after you know I ride off into the sunset. But they don't have Swift developers, right? Like they don't they don't have Kotlin developers, <laughs> nor should they. Like it it just doesn't make sense for their internal like inventory management or whatever it is application. Um, yeah. And, and the and the, like we talked about fighting the tide. The tide is that the web standards. Despite W3C's interesting choices on DRM, which we haven't talked about, but are, are odd, are actually getting better every single quarter. Like the things we I can do in a browser on mobile today, I wouldn't have dreamed about in 2010. Yeah, it's like, like just maps. Like, like even just mapping. I was right? going to say I, even I, maps are yeah. like something like even docs, Amber. docs even. Or photos. I would say even like doing effects on photos, I would yep. have told so I'm sorry, you have to go double native. I agree. I think it's uh I think it's um it's I mean, you know me, I'm not I'm never the web app guy, but like I, I, I look at right now, I'm using the Discord app, the Slack app, the IRC cloud app, and I'm using Google Docs to do this show. You say you're not a web app guy, but how many electron apps are you probably using? That, I mean, that's just it. It's uh, again you can't fight you cannot fight the market time. I mean I it. basically live in VS Code now. And that is an Electron app. When I build a system, I'm going to build it with the understanding that I'm going to devote gigs of RAM to Electron apps and Chrome. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to build for that. Oh, you got you to gotta try Firefox Quantum, though. I am I am playing around with Firefox. It is getting good, my friend. It is getting oh, really good. Awesome. Yeah. It's so fast. Yeah. 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 Angela recently upgraded in, uh, from the old version to the new version, and then she went and disabled like the one extension that was like blocking the new suite rendering, the multi-process rendering. She she and she disabled that extension and she says like it went from uh, something like fifty percent CPU usage down to like twenty percent CPU usage when she's got like a few pages rendering and stuff. It's a pretty good drop. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Can I take a, a System seventy six detour here? Sure. Oh, you know how much so, people love that. They really love know, it they, when we do that. But I'm just updating my review and I have to write this up. I stopped using Chrome, went to Firefox Quantum, which I think is now the main version of Firefox. Right, it just got released, um, and I did a quick firmware update. Without the firmware update, my CPU fan went right down. With the firmware update, I barely hear it. Oh. Open up Chrome, and I have a small 
Snoopy style Red Baron taking off on my desk. What was the process to update the firmware? Uh, I had to enable pro- uh, proprietary drivers. Ah, okay. So it came down via it's, the so system it's an 76 issue with P- the i7 apparently. And you have like. that and you have you must have the system 76 PPA uh installed. I do have the PPA. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, so that sounds, but it sounds like an improvement. It sounds like the combo of the firmware update and Firefox is like a nice. Well, and just like my general like usage, because you know, I think about like I'm sitting here on Discord right now. I have Slack, which is a a Electron app open because I obviously work right. I have VS Code on another workspace. Most of everything I'm running, other than Firefox, is an Electron app of some kind, right? And Firefox itself is a web browser, so it's got a bunch of tabs open, doing God knows what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it is a new. It is a new. It is the new reality of like twenty. I guess maybe would it be fair to say that twenty seventeen is the year of the web apps? I mean, I know it's been coming, but now it's like, like even Skype that we're talking on is a freaking Electron app now. Like this is a Microsoft oh, I didn't even think app. Of that. Yeah, Skype is an Electron app. Yeah, so. and you know, I had a conversation off the record, so I can't say much. I can't say who, but with a Skype developer, and uh, there's like four other major electron projects going on inside microsoft right now you know we should talk offline well okay so uh we got some feedback and we also have a project pick a project pick so give me a moment here to mention our friends at linux academy a platform to learn more about gnu slash linux and all of the things around it Uh, we just mentioned azure that's one of them aws which is complicated so get out for me and Linux Academy makes it really simple. You can get self-paced video courses. In fact, you know what? They got a great little video I never play on this show that explains it all. Whether you're an experienced sysadmin or new to the world of Linux, Azure, and AWS, OpenStack, and DevOps, a sharp skill set is an absolute necessity to succeed. Meet Linux Academy, an online Linux and cloud training platform that uses self-paced video courses and hands-on labs to give you real-world experience for a wide range of skills. They have all kinds of new content coming all the time, full-time human instructors, learning paths, which are a series of courses and content by their instructors for like specific types of career tracks that you might be interested in, hands-on labs, so you get the scenario-based learning. And then, of course, if you're going for certifications, they've got certs for that. We recently launched a Linux Academy challenge on our user error program, and one of the ways we can verify that challenge is by Linux Academy's public profiles. You can set up a public profile, which is essentially like a Linux Academy resume up on their servers that you can link in your resume. It's a pretty great service, and here's the best part. You go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, you support this show, and you can sign up for a free seven-day trial. Check out the Linux Academy platform, linuxacademy.com slash coders, and a huge thank you to Linux Academy for their longtime support of the Coder Radio program. All right, so we have some feedback, and we also have the project. Which one would you like to do first? So you want to end on the pick and do just, like, jump right I'd like to end on the pick, yeah, Yeah. because I think the pick is a positive note. Oh, okay, so the YouTube feedback is not a positive note. (laughs) I haven't read it. I mean, I I have been reading it, but I haven't read the – I don't think I've read the specific one you haven't read. It's relatively negative, yeah. What do you want to summarize, or should I go read it? Go ahead and read it. Oh, boy. I think it's worth a read. Okay, all right. So you've you've linked here to it, it, it appears. Is that true? Let's see. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, linked to, I didn't know how to link to it. Maybe I sound like a broken record, but I challenge the notion that the tech industry is hurting for more people. Is this the one you're thinking of? Yes. Okay. He says there are three aspects of what's really going on. Number one, they only want cheap or people that have five to ten years of experience in exactly the sector so they don't have to invest money to make them better. Uh, and um, – geez, there's a lot here. Two, they claim they need um, much people – 
because it's very diff- effective and cheap way to advertise your company. A job posting in a magazine or website is cheaper than a normal ad. That's a really great point. Number three, I agree with that because I've seen that. I have seen that myself. Uh, number three, the companies are often pretty happy if their workers work over hours or burn them out. Even that's short-term thinking. That's what many companies do. So they have to be able to say their, uh, to their employees to stop complaining that we're searching for more workers, which makes you work less. I guess he's basically saying if they're always looking for new workers and they don't care if they churn yeah. their people. It's like TV news, fake news. It's fake news. They have to pretend that they search people for people, and they take, of course, an extremely cheap and very good people, but only them. So uh, what got you fired up about this comment? So I am not unsympathetic to this point of view. Like, I actually believe that they're, you know, I'm down in Florida, right? And my many adventures here in Dagobah. We've talked about how maybe first time I came here, it was kind of a technology wasteland. Um, and the second time, it's going much better because I'm older and smarter and all that kind of fun stuff. But I'm also, I'm you know, I'm on both. I've been on both sides of this table a lot, Chris, right? Like I have to go out and convince people that you should hire, you know, Buccaneer, now the Mad Botter. And or you should buy our bot or whatever it is, and you should pay us more than like you know four dollars an hour because we're, you know, U.S. based. Blah blah blah. But I've also interviewed lots of people, hired lots of people, fired some people, transitioned out is a nice way to say other people, mm. and like interviewed tons of people and not hired them. I have never felt that I need to like bring in people offshore. Now, part of that's because as a small business, the visa process is cost prohibitive. So it's, it's not really an option for me, but there's also a aspect of, I don't think it's true that there aren't enough developers in the country. And when I say the country, I think it could be any country, but I'm talking about the United States here. And by the way, plant city, Florida is by no means a tech hub. So it's not like I'm somebody sitting in San Francisco telling you there's tons of, you know, startups running around. Not yet. Because we are like the Mad Potter is like the AI company in in this area. That's good. That's good. Hey, keep it that way. No, that's good. Like that has advantages, but also has like huge disadvantages. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah, that is true. Um, Yes. Because we don't have an ecosystem to work with and it's just hard, right? I... I still think you can hire qualified people. Now, I think part of it involves being flexible with things like remote work, which I did try to go back on, right? I opened an office. I still prefer local people. But at some point, you have to play a balancing game. And also, you have to be willing to hire people who are maybe transitioning to a new career or learning. But as the employer, you should be able to not pay them a lot. Like, it's totally okay to pay them below market if they're learning on the job, I yeah. think. I think what our commenter is talking more about is the large corporations that do it more as sort of a system of churn. So I, I, I think – and we talk about this all the time, but people keep writing in saying that I'm on the side of the large corporations. I'm not, right? I think it's like a psychological fallacy that I could not walk into Microsoft and get a job in the bot team, even though my bot's the only Microsoft bot other than Tay. Fair enough. Tay got lots of press. <laughs> that has gotten any press, but I would still never be hired there because I don't have a comp sci degree. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I think that's ridiculous. And I think they are 
you know, for all this talk about inclusiveness, and this is my opinion, not Chris's, so don't, you know, don't turn Chris into the next Robert Skoll. Wow. Um, wow. Wow. For all the talk about inclusiveness, well, it's another type of bigotry to say, oh, you should have went to Stanford or University of Seattle. You know, you don't have the right background for what we're looking for. <laughs> That's true. And the dogs agree, too. I've uh, I've had some experience in my I have had a couple of interviews with Google and uh, the conversation stopped immediately when it came to the college stuff because I went right out of school in into work and but that also meant that I had an ex, an ex significant body of experience compared to other people my age but and I, I felt was qualified for the work but was declined once the, immediately well essentially as soon as the you know they the, it was like the second interview both times that the, that the conversation of a degree came up and after that conversation I never made it to the third call. <laughs> You know, I have this weird phenomenon where there is a certain company in Seattle whose recruiters keep emailing me and inviting me to things. And another company who has an office in New York uh, who doesn't like the uh, definite article, the, and prefers books with faces on them. Okay. So one time I, I decided, because, you know, it was it was right, right when I was thinking about, like, doing Alice. I'm like, you know what? Let me call them. Oh, we love Coda Radio. We love this thing you did. You have this open source thing. I'm sorry, my dogs are barking. An Objective C and the C library. Where did you get your comp sci degree? Like, like the first question. Like, like you walked into a restaurant. You want coffee or tea? No. Where'd you get your comp sci yeah. degree? I wonder if maybe what might happen, and it's going to take years, uh, but I wonder if we won't shift back to, and I say back to, an economy where a huge portion of the population is essentially contractor self-employed, which is actually how it used to be uh, a decade ago or more or less. Um, and so it could shift back to that. And so what you might have is people become their own companies and then they go work for periods of times for these other companies and they sort of see multiple companies. They, co- they become poly-employed. One of, one of the dumb things, uh, the way the United States, and this is going to be lame for our foreign listeners, but... I don't know if you know this, Chris, but if you to employ someone out of state is actually incredibly hard because now you have to file as an operating entity in that state, pay them a tax and follow their payroll tax rules for that one employee, which means you're paying your accountant whatever his hourly rate is every month for like additional stuff per employee. So what do you end up doing with remote people since they don't come to office and use your equipment? You make them 1099s, right? Like it's the only way to to resolve that problem. And, and weirdly enough, if the government, these politicians come out and say they don't want 1099 uh, uh, staffing, but the way that employment is structured state by state, it's impossible to employ people out of state if you're a small company without racking up incredible overhead. Just forget the taxes, right? Like I'm in a, I'm now in a low tax state, Florida, New Jersey was a high tax state. Just the overhead of paying like a CPA or an accounting firm to do that work for different states, that's that's significant, right? Yeah, you have yep. to make, yeah, it is. Like, it's a pain in the ass. Oh, and if you mess up, you can be dragged to court. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah it, the, the, this is such a multifaceted problem, and it's a totally different problem for companies like Facebook and Microsoft than it is for the Mad Bot or Jupiter Broadcasting. You know, it's totally just totally different scale problems. Uh, so let's end on a positive note. Mr. Dominic has tossed in a pick of the week. It's a project, by the way, links to all this stuff, including I just dropped a link to Pew Research that has some interesting stats about self-employment. Uh, all these links and more are in the show notes. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and look for Coda Radio 281. But uh, Bootstrap, 
Bootstrap plus Vue. It's uh, your intro there. It's a responsive mobile-first project on the web. You tell yeah, me about it, It's actually really great. So, and, and this is directly for if you're transitioning someone off of Angular 1 and they're using Bootstrap and they want to go to Vue, which is a more conservative framework. Um, and we should talk about Vue maybe next week. It, it basically gives you a bunch of Bootstrap components already, or a bunch of, uh, yeah, Bootstrap components already turned into Vue components. I know that sounds confusing, but... I get it. And it's Bootstrap 4, the world's most popular framework for building a responsive mobile-first site. Oh! Oh, the buzz is high on that one, and I love it. And we'll have a link in the show notes, or you can go to bootstrap-view.js.org. So are you on a Linux box this week, Mr. Dominic? No, I'm on a Mac. I was oh. writing Swift to my great shame. Oh, hence the USB-C dongle thing earlier. Dude, it, I, I just want to say, I, and, and we, I know we have to go. Yeah. Well, Why are not all USB to HDMI adapters compatible? Mm, they, yeah, well, and you also have discovered that not all the Ethernet adapters are the same or Wi-Fi. It, it's, you know, for a standards body, I'd like to see some enforcement. Like, <laughs> you do not comply with the standard. Get the fuck off the shelves. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be really good. Well, tell I me- have three of these laying on my desk. It's, it's, a, it's a madhouse over there. Tell people in the meantime where they can find your goodness online if they want more Dominic. Go to at the Mad Botter Inc. and go to at do Manuco on Twitter. Do it. Uh-huh. That'd be great. All right, well, join us live next Monday. Uh, we're back on Mondays for a bit, and we've missed you. We have we have some folks in the uh, Discord, but you can join us over at discord.me slash jupitercolony for the live show and jblive.tv for that stream, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get the stream in your life. That's a lot, of, that's, that's, that's a lot isn't it? Just go to jblive.tv on Mondays and hang out there. Follow me on Twitter at ChrisLAS, the network at JupiterSignal, and get our RSS feeds, and then you just download the show automatically and don't even worry about the live show. That's, that's probably what I would do. Thanks for being here. We'll see you right back here next week.